Well, good morning, Grace Hills. Hey, I'm glad you're here this morning. Hey, we are in a series right now where we are talking about being on mission like Jesus. And the heart of what we are, what we're trying to do is that we know that we are called, that you have a purpose, that you have a mission, that you have something that you are called to do. And what we want to do is we want to be on mission like Jesus, because when we look at Jesus's life, um, the way that he was effective, the way that he loved people, the way that he walked with confidence, we want to begin to see that in our life. So last week we talked about the heart of Jesus. Uh, and today what we're going to be talking about is the confidence of Jesus. How do we become people that walk with the confidence of Jesus as we walk into mission on our lives? How do we begin to do that? And I want to talk about this because we are in a period of time right now where there is a epidemic of timidity and a lack of, uh, a lack of settledness right, in our hearts and who we are and what, what God has called us to do. And if you talk to a lot of Christians, and I have an opportunity as a pastor to talk to a lot of people, there is just frankly a lot of doubt in who we are, what we're called to do, and how we're doing. And a lot of people are walking with a lot of doubt and a lot of questions. And, and it's one of those things maybe where, where we're trying to do the right things, or we're trying to follow God, and we want to be on mission, but we've got a lot of fear and doubt and worry and timidity that are wrapped up in all of those things. And maybe you've experienced this. How many of you have, maybe you felt the weight of expectations on your life? I don't know if you've ever been there, but where there's, you feel like there's these expectations of people or expectations of God or expectations of all these things on your life. And it feels like it's a, a weight that you're carrying that has brought this like worry and fear and timidity in your life. Maybe for some of you, it's the weight of comparison. And I'll be honest with you, like this is the one uh, of all the things that probably hit me the hardest. Comparison is one of the hardest things. Because I mean, you know, we, like, we live in a culture right now where you could compare yourself to people all across the world in like a matter of seconds, right? And, and I think the enemy uses that because, I, you know, I can think, okay, God's called me to do this. And then all of a sudden I can get on the internet and I can see somebody else who I feel like is doing it 10 times better than me in about three seconds. And then it all of a sudden begins like, am I actually called to this? Am I... Is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this where, where God wants to work in my life? Or, or, and I think it's so many different ways. Maybe you're a parent and you're trying to, you're trying to be a good parent and then all of a sudden you get on, on social media and you see somebody who, like, who is like feeding their kids healthy. And, like, <laughs> and it's like, well, all right, am I doing this the right way? Like, like, and I think sometimes right, we, we have comparison in our lives and it begins to cause doubt and worry and fear in our lives. One of the big things that people deal with right now is imposter syndrome, right? Where, where you feel like you got a, a good exterior shell that everybody can see, right? But behind the shell, you're like, if people actually knew who, who I was and like how I actually am, they would, they would never think, they would never follow me, they would never respect me, they would never have these feelings about me. We, we walk with that in our lives, uh, whatever it is for you, I don't know what the weight that you carry in your life that causes you to walk in fear and timidity. But I think that for so many of us, there are things in our lives, right, that are weighing us down. What I want to talk to you about today is this, is that as we look at the life of Jesus and the life that he's called us to live, it is one that is free from fear 
and comparison and expectations, and it is one of settled confidence. Uh, and I, I think that's a helpful term. I, when I was trying to think of how we were going to walk through this this week, uh, the word that kept popping up, and we're going to talk about this a lot, is, is a settled confidence. Right, a settled confidence. Because a lot of people, they mistake arrogance for confidence. And how many of you know those are two totally different things? Right, arrogance is something that is like a derivative of pride. That is, you know, I have a lot of faith in me and then me and what I am. And ultimately, it leads to a lot of fear because at some point you come up to the, to the wall where you realize I'm not nearly as awesome as I think I am. So arrogance isn't what we want. But there's a settled confidence that's different. And that's a moment where we are able to be settled in who God's called us to be. We're settled in what we're doing and pleasing him. That we're settled in our life and we are restful and peaceful as we are walking out the purpose and mission that God has on our lives. Right? And confidence is so different than what I think a lot of times culture tries to tell us that confidence is. Because we think of confidence as somebody who's very loud and boisterous and like walking with a lot like big and boisterous. And what we see in the life of Jesus is, yeah, there's times where he walks in confident and loud in that way. But there's also times where he's silent in a settled confidence. Right? And where people ask him questions and he doesn't feel like he's got to be the person that knows everything, which he does. But yet, he still is silent and he's quiet. And a settled confidence, I would say this, isn't about your personality, but it's about what's inside of your heart. And about not having that turmoil and that anxiousness as you're walking through. And so what we're going to be talking about today is having settledness in your soul. Settledness in who God's called you to be. Settledness in his purpose for your life. Settledness in what you're doing and what he's called you to do. That's the kind of confidence that we are called to. And there was this pastor um, that was a mentor to me. He actually recently passed away. But um, I remember some of my earliest memories were with this guy. And his name was Pastor John. And he was, he was my dad's pastor. And then he was, uh, he, when I went into ministry, he was so kind to me. And he would meet with me. And I'd drive and have these conversations with him. And I remember we'd go to, like, the worst restaurants in the world. He liked to go to those. And it would be like, you know, actually I say it this way. It's the worst, like, greasiest restaurant, but it's the best restaurant restaurant you know what I'm talking about like it was a good place and so we'd go there and um, I remember I would just sit there and he would just share stories and talk about ministry and things and he was a guy that as in ministry for probably 40 years walked through a lot of battles had a lot of things in his life but what was interesting and I, I can remember watching him even as a kid is that he always he was never shaken by people and never shaken by the opinions of things or what situations were going on. And even though he was at times would walk through difficult circumstances, he just had this settled confidence in who God had called him to be. And I think about it, and here would be my heart for us today, is that's the type of people that I want us to be. I want us to be people, and here's the reality. We are in a world that is gonna try to shake you in every single way that it can. We live in a world where we talked about how there is friction with the world and, it, and there's things that are going on. And the world is gonna, as you're going on mission, living out your purpose for God, you're gonna live in a world that's gonna have some friction, that there's gonna be difficulty. And if you are living your life 
where your mentality and your heart and your and your heart are like shaped by those things you will be in a place of timidity and fear and a worked up like in your entire life for a long time but when we can come to a place right we we have a settled confidence in God that's where we want to be amen that's who we want to be that's the kind of confidence the bible teaches us about in second timothy um, Paul, he's a uh, early leader of the church, right? And he's got this young apprentice of uh, Timothy that he's trying to teach about how to walk into ministry. And Timothy was, as you read the letters that he writes to Timothy, you find out that he was a fairly young guy and you find out that there were some people that were judging him because of his age and that he also had some problems that were going on in his church and that he was trying to teach Timothy how to, how to correct those things and walk. And there's a lot of parts that Timothy was really trying to walk through. And what I love is that speaking to this young guy that Paul begins to tell him how to walk with confidence in his life. And I love this in 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6. It says this, Paul says, This is why I reminded you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power of love and self-discipline. Now, here's a couple things I want you to notice in this. Check out verse 16. He says, this is why I, I remind you to fly in, fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. Now, what is he saying there? He's saying, I, you've been called into ministry. God has given you gifts in your ministry. He's like, so there's a purpose for you. And I want you to walk into the purpose and the giftings that God has for you. And I'd say this to you all, all right? God has given you giftings and a purpose and something that he's called you to do. And so he's saying here, like, fan this thing into flames. Don't let it just sit on the side. Begin to do these things. Walk in the mission that God has for you. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. He's saying like, don't, don't be at a place where you don't go on mission and live out the purpose that God has for you because you're fear and because you're timid and because you're not sure about what's going. But he says, no, I've given you the Holy Spirit in your life. And he's one of power, of love and self-discipline. And I want you to go and fan into flames the gifts that God has given you. And live it out and not walk in timidity. And here's the thing is that so many of us live short of our God-given potential. Because we are weighed down with the opinions and expectations and fears of people. And the reality is this, is that we, I think this is a helpful term, is that we so often live down to the level of our doubt. We have fear in our lives and, and there's this thing, that, this potential that God has for us, this purpose that he has for us to live in our lives. And there's these, this far distance that we can run and that he can use us and work through us and that's beautiful. But so many times we go short of that because we live down to the level of doubt and fear and worry in our lives. What we're gonna talk about is walking today with the confidence of Jesus. And when you look at the life of Jesus, what you begin to see is that he walked with settledness, right? He, he was unshakable by people. He was calmly confident in who he was and what he was doing. And here's the thing is it wasn't because people were just mesmerized by him and that they just agreed with him and they understood him. I think sometimes we can, we can whitewash the story of Jesus and just see everybody just loved Jesus and everything was just great. But in fact, Jesus had to deal with some harsh stuff. He had to deal with incredible opposition, like ultimately to the point where they just wanted to kill him and they crucified him. 
Like not everybody was there saying, oh, Jesus, you're just great and we just love you. But no, he had some opposition. He had people that followed him around that wanted to stone him and kill him. Like, like he's dealing with opposition in his life. He had to deal with the weight of misplaced expectations on his life. Even his closest friends and disciples, they didn't even realize what he was trying to do. They thought his purpose was to come and be a military leader and overthrow the Romans. And we're going to go, and we're all going to be kings, and we're going to overthrow the Romans. And there's these expectations on him that, and how I many you know, sometimes the expectations of people can just begin to weigh you down, but it doesn't with Jesus. He had to deal with people comparing him constantly to other people. Are, are you, are you the comparing him to Moses, comparing him to Elijah, comparing him to John the Baptist? And yet, despite all of these weights that he could have easily picked up and carried on him and let those shape his purpose in his life, he doesn't carry a single one of them. Well, instead, what we see in the life of Jesus is that he is marked by confidence and rest and peace. Amen. How many of you want to walk like that in your life? Despite what everyone wanted him to be, he lives out his purpose with settledness in his soul. And I'll tell you this, that the reason for his settled confidence is that every question that typically leads us to fear and doubt was already settled in his mind by God, his father. Every question that we got a lot of questions that lead us to fear and worry, but they were already settled in his mind. The questions that usually lead us to walk in fear and doubt are these are like, who am I? Am I doing the right things? Am I walking this out right? Am I fulfilling people's expectations in my life the right way? Like, and, and people, are people happy with me? And every time those questions were asked of Jesus, what's interesting is that he reverts back to the opinion of his father. And who his father says he is. When people question who he was, right? It didn't lead him to doubt his identity and say, well, these Pharisees, they're coming out and questioning my identity and who I am. And so now I got to rethink this. He didn't let the people around him like shape his identity. It didn't make him unsettled. But when people questioned who he was, what he told them in response is who his father says he is. A great example of this is John 10. People were at this moment where Jesus has been claiming to be the son of God and they, and they get angry at him and they're about ready to stone him. And in response, Jesus tells them who God says he is. John 10, 36, he says, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the son of God? He says, after all, the father set me apart and sent me into this world. He said, and essentially, I'll give you the Josh Fiery version of it. He's saying like, I don't care what you say. This is who my father says I am. Settled in his mind. He didn't have to go, okay, here's what some people are saying about me and here's what they're accusing me of and this is what God says about me. Now let me compare these things and like, let me weigh them out. Let me look at this and try to figure it out. But when they come and there's opposition, he says, it doesn't matter what you say. Here's who God says I am. And that's why he can walk in settledness and not have his identity question, Right? When people questioned what he was doing or they had expectations on him, he didn't shift to try to please people, which is what we do so many times, right? But he was settled in what his father sent him to do. When, when people were mad because he loved on sinners and called them to follow him, he told them the whole reason he came was to help broken people. Right? Over and over, he, he tells us that he came to do the will of his father. He says, I only do what my father tells me to do. He, and when people were angry, he says, I, I'm doing the will of my father. And he says, that I'm not here to, to please you, but I'm here to please my father. I love what he says in John 4, 34. He says it so beautifully. He says, then Jesus explained, he says, my nourishment 
comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. He's saying the thing that feeds me, the thing that, that, that fills me up, the thing that guides me is when I am just doing what God, my father, told me to do. And I'd say to you this today, is that Jesus walked in settled confidence because his identity His purpose and his expectations were not driven by the opinions of people, but they were settled by God. And that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. Because I think so many times what we do in our lives is we allow our identity, our purpose, and our expectations of people to begin to drive our mentality and our mind and our hearts and who we are. And most of us here, a lot of you probably grew up in church. And so you understand this of like, I am who God says I am, right? Uh, That I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Like my identity is in him. We'll say those things, but there are two different things where when we say that, but it actually believe it in our hearts and it drives our emotions and our mind and our actions in our lives. And if we're going to be people that are unshakable by the world and don't have this uh, unsettledness in our life, then we have to be people who are settled and what God's called us to do, amen? So here's where I wanna bring us today is this, is if we're gonna be people who walk in the settled confidence of Jesus, we have to be people where our identity and our purpose and expectations are settled like his. So how do we do that? Well, let me, let me walk you through each one of those three today, just real briefly. I wanna walk us through how do we begin to do that? So number one is this, is if, if you wanna have a settled confidence like Jesus, you have to have your identity settled in who God says you are. You have to have your identity settled in who God says you are. See, one of the things that we struggle with the most as humans is that we feel like we are on this journey of self-identification where I'm constantly trying to figure out who I am, how I am, what my purpose is, all of these things. And it robs us of peace because we have this thing that we get of identity anxiety. And I think about it this way. Uh, I was thinking about a term as I was thinking about this yesterday of really walking through this sermon. And I think we get identity anxiety and we get it because we let too many voices have a say in who we are. Uh, It's kind of like this. When I was younger, I played basketball. I was not good at it, but I played it. And, um, and I remember when I was real young, there was, um, we have like these three coaches on the team and they were, they were like the, they had no plan whatsoever. Um, and they would just like tell us different things and all this stuff. And I remember one time I was going in and I had to walk by all three of them. And when I was walking into the game, all three of them told me to go in and play a different position. So I was walking in, one of them told me to go play point guard. One of them told me to play shooting guard and one of them told me to go in and play forward. And so I got out there on the court and I was like, I don't know what in the world I'm doing. And I was running around like a banshee going all these different directions. And then they all decided to take it upon themselves from the sideline to try to correct me and give me direction from the sideline. So I had one of them telling me to go over here, one of them telling me to go over here. And they're just like, and I'm like, I don't know what in the world I'm doing. Right, And as I'm, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm trying to understand and follow each one of them, but I, I was doing a bad job in all of them because, uh, because I was letting too many voices, there was too many people trying to tell me what to do. And well, here's what I'd say this, is that as Christians, I think so many times that's the place that we are, is that we have an identity anxiety because we have way too many people trying to give us our identity in our lives. And I don't, I don't think our biggest issue is that 
we don't care what God says. Uh, I think we do care about what God says, but I think the problem is that we have, uh, we listen to God's voice and 72 other voices, right? Where I, I do care about who God says I am, but I also try to listen to these other 72 different voices that are trying to set my identity. And it leads me to identity anxiety where I am constantly trying to discover who I am and where my worth comes from and what I'm called to do because, uh, because I'm listening to all of these different voices within society that are trying to tell me what to do. And if we're going to live a life settled in what God has called us to be, here's where it begins. It begins with being settled in who God says we are. Everybody in the world will have an opinion on who you are. Everybody's going to try to have a voice in who you are. And if you're not settled in who God says you are, your confidence will blow in the winds of people's opinions. You're like a sail and people have all these opinions and you're just going to be blown over here and blown over here and blown over here. And you're going to go 52 different directions if you're not settled in who God says you are. I think about Jesus's ministry. Right? And when Jesus' ministry begins, there's this moment um, where he's baptized. And if you know the story, he's baptized. And, and the Father from heaven says, this is my son and who I am well pleased. Right? Cool moment. And that is the moment where, where it is spoken over Jesus who he is. Right? It's confirmed at that moment who he is. And then what's interesting is he walks through his ministry. Every time people begin to question him, begin to question what he is, he points back to who his father says he is. This is who my father says he is. This is who I've called to be. And I think about that, how he begins his ministry with setting his identity. And then every time he's questioned, he goes back. Now, this is who my father says I am. And I think for us, as we walk in a world that's going to try to define us at every single turn, we got to come to a place where we are settled at the beginning. This is who God says I am. And then every time everybody else has an opinion, every time society tries to say who we are, every time society tries to confuse who I am, I say, no, this is who God says I am. I'm not going to be confused by the world, not going to be confused by the opinions of people, but I'm going to be settled in who God says I am. It begins with beginning to understand who God says we are. See, living a life of settled confidence means realizing that my identity is that I am a son or daughter of God. And when other people try to determine my purpose, I'm not phased. I'm settled. I'm settled in who God says I am. Because my identity is not going to be tied to the size of my bank account. As much as the world tries to tell me that's what it is. It's not my title at work. It's not about how many friends I have. It's not about what I see on social media or how people say this about me on social media. It's not about how successful my kid is. But my identity is that I'm a son, a daughter of God and who he called me to be. I'm gonna live my life to the fullest of who he is so I can rest and that I am loved by God and I'm just gonna be obedient to him. Amen? That's what we gotta be. Being settled and walking our life in settled confidence begins there. Here's the second thing is this, is if you want to have a settled confidence like Jesus, you have to be settled and being faithful to what he's called you to do. Being settled in what he's called you to do. Now, I'm not going to take a long, here, long time on this point, but let me just say this. There, there's going to be a multitude of opinions on how and what you should do in and with your life. How many of you have experienced that before? 
There, everybody's got an opinion on what you should be doing and how you should be doing. And you will live your life completely unsettled until you come to the place that you are comfortable in just being obedient to God and what he's called you to do. Amen? Multitudes of, of people had opinions on what Jesus should do. And he constantly pointed back to the idea that I'm just pleasing my father. That I'm doing what he's called me to do. That I'm doing what my father tells me to do. And it freed him from the opinions of people. We, we try to do that here as a church. As we walk through um, uh, decisions and things that we got to do as a leadership team of this church, we try to walk in this mentality um, where the opinions of people, as long as there's wisdom and thoughts coming from things, absolutely, we want to hear wisdom and we want to hear people's thoughts in that. But ultimately, when it comes down to making a decision, what we've talked about as a leadership team, as we get together, we come together and we say, we're going to make a decision not off of people's opinions, and I thought, because how many, you know, all of you in here, you all got different opinions. <laughs> like everybody in here has got a different opinion on things. And what we come to the point is that we say, hey, we're going to make decisions based off of conviction of what the word of God says and what we feel like the Holy Spirit is leading us to as a church. And that's what's going to be our driving thing. Because as long as we are trying to move off of every single opinion of the world, we're going to go, we're going to move here, and then we're going to move here, and we're going to go here. But we can come to a place that we can say, this is what out of conviction of the scripture and what God is leading us to that we've made a decision. That's when you can walk in confidence and settledness. And if somebody disagrees with you, it's okay because I'm trying to follow God. And that's what I would tell you. We do that as a church here, but I would say in your life, Casey and I, we try to walk this out in our lives because there's all of these expectations, all of these things that we come to as a place. We'll listen to wisdom. We seek guidance. We look for wisdom from all of these different places. But ultimately what it comes down to is this, is what has God called us to do? What does scripture tell us? We're gonna make a decision out of that conviction. And when we do that, it is settled in our mind what God has called us to do. And when there is things that come around, we're settled and we're okay because we know what God's called us to do. Amen? So many Christians are paralyzed by the opinions of other people. And we hear all these different opinions and these things and it paralyzes us into, into fear and doubt. When we look at Jesus, how you know, everybody had an opinion for Jesus. But what does he do? He says, no, this is who my father called me to do. There's a moment where uh, I love where Jesus makes some decisions and it says like that half of his followers leave him and just disappear. We don't, we don't read that scripture a lot of times. You don't hear that one preached all the time. We think of just that all these people just came and followed Jesus and everything. Was, no, there was times that Jesus made some decisions where people moved out. But ultimately he came to this conviction of, I'm gonna do what my father told me to do. And he walked in a settled confidence in that. And that's where I think we need to be. When we get to the place that we obey God and then we let the chips fall where they may, that's when we walk in a settled confidence. And that's the type of person I want to be. I don't want to be a person that's on a roller coaster of emotions and a roller coaster of decisions and where somebody says that they are, that, yeah, that Josh, he's flighty. He's always just moving just based off of what everybody tells. But no, I want to be a person that says, ah, he's walking in conviction. That's who we need to be, amen? And then here's the third thing I would tell you is this. Is that if you want a settled confidence like Jesus, you have to be settled in who you're pleasing. Be settled in who you're pleasing. The enemy of peace in your life is a heart that seeks to please people. 
Let me say that again. The enemy of peace in your life is a heart that is, seeks to please people. Because pleasing people is a moving target, right? Everybody has expectations and opinions, but they constantly change. You look at society, like how many know like the goalposts in society are constantly moving and constantly changing. And then if you talk to four people, they'll have different expectations and opinions, right? And so as long as you're trying to please people, you're never going to be at a place of settledness because you're going to constantly be, the, the target is constantly moving and is being shaken and you're trying to figure out what to do. See, pleasing people is a never-ending battle that will leave you restless instead of settled. And we don't say that a lot because there is a heart where we love people and we care about people and we want people to have joy and fulfillment and those things. And so we, we almost don't push back against that a lot of times because we have, the, and, and also in the South, I mean, you know, we just like to, we like to be hospitable to people in the South, right? Like we're just good people. So we have this a little bit, and there's, there's a difference between being hospitable and loving and caring about people and having your value determined by the expectations of people. There's a difference there. And we got to absolutely, like, let's be welcoming. Let's be, like, caring for people. Let's try to please people. Like, let's do that in the thing, but let's realize and remember where our value comes from. And who ultimately that we're trying to please. Paul says it twice. He says it in Galatians 1.10. And then he says it in 1 Thessalonians 2. When he's talking to people about his ministry. And he says this. He says, my purpose is not to, to please people or man. But it's to please God. And there's a hard decision that I think that we've got to make in our lives. Where we come to a point of saying like, what expectations am I trying to fulfill in my life? And I think, and I'll just be honest, like, I think it's a journey that we got to walk on. And in some of the areas of my life, like, it's like, okay, yeah, like, I'm just following God and obeying God in these areas. But there's also some areas of my life that I look at, and, I, and when I start to feel worry and anxiety and unsettledness, I look at it, and I'm like, hey, there's expectations of people, and I'm just trying to please people and not try to please God in this area. We've got to come to a place where we, where we reassess and we say, who am I trying to please? Because there is a peace in your life that only comes when your primary objective is pleasing God. And there's two big reasons for that. One is that living a life that pleases God is life-giving to your soul. Right? It's not that we please God because he's just this tyrant who wants just obedience out of us and that he's just up there doing. No, like God, pleasing God is good for you and it fulfills you and it leads you to good like joy and life inside of you. Right, I love the way we read the scripture earlier where Jesus says it. He says, and Jesus explained, he says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. He's like, it fulfills me when these people are trying to get him to eat. And he's saying like, he kind of is being a little pithy with them and they're trying to get him to eat some food. And he's like, my food is coming from God and fulfilling him. And he's saying like, I'm filled up and I am strengthened and I am built up when I am doing and fulfilling my purpose that God has for my life. And I will tell you this, the expectations of people on your life is very shallow, but the expectations that God has for your life and, and pleasing him, they are deeply ingrained inside of your DNA. God created you, right? He created you with a purpose and he put these, these desires and this heart inside of you 
to, to serve him and to please him and to do these things. And, and when your heart begins to be shifted to a place of where it's like, I'm not here to please people, but I'm here to please God. And you begin to do that. It fulfills you deeply. Amen. So that's one reason, but the, I'd say the second reason that there is a peace in focusing on pleasing God instead of people is because God is merciful and full of grace. When you try to please people and you mess it up, I mean, they can be harsh. And there's also a, a weight of trying to please people because you understand that people's expectations and the weight of it and, and the heaviness of their sometimes unforgiveness and lack of grace and mercy. And so it begins to be this weight that draws you and you're like, if I make a wrong step, if I make the wrong thing, it's just this weight that leads you into fear and timidity in your life. But when you can come to the place that says, no, I'm pleasing God. And there's grace and mercy in him. And I'm going to keep trying to do it. But I know that if I fail, that he is good and he is merciful and he is kind. It frees you to just walk in his goodness in your life. Now, let me pause and say this. I want to be very clear in this one. Making pleasing God your priority does not mean that you don't care about people. Because some people take this and they become a jerk about it. And they're like, well, I'm just here to please God and not people. Doesn't matter what people say. I'm just here to please God. Well, that's just dumb. Like, like it's not an excuse to be a jerk. Here's what it is. When you please God, you're going to be an awesome husband. Because he's called you to love your wife like he loves the church, right? He's called you to sacrifice yourself for your spouse, to put them first, to serve them. Like pleasing God doesn't mean that I don't care about these other things, but it means that I roll into it even more, right? It means that when I'm pleasing God, not people, it means that I love people even farther than I ever did when I was trying to please people because I, I now walk in unfathomable forgiveness and grace and mercy. It means that I am humble and I'm not arrogant. It means that I am gentle and that I am kind because when I please God, he calls me to a life of humility and gentleness and kindness and mercy. And so it is not an excuse to say, I don't care about people and I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to, I'm just going to, no, it's this thing of that as God has called me, to please him, that I love people deeper than I ever have before. Amen? See, pleasing God is not about removing ourselves from people, but about freeing ourselves from the slavery of people's expectations. And I think a lot of us are in this place where we are in bondage to the opinions and expectations of people, and you will never experience the settledness and confidence of being rooted and fulfilled and being driven by your good Father until you're able to let those things go. And that's who we've got to be. So here's where I'd close to us today, is that you are created on purpose for a purpose. We say that a lot, but we genuinely believe it. Part of our church here is that we are not here for, it's not Josh's church or Jared's church or Todd's church or Blaine's church or, or whoever, where it's here for you to come and just consume from us, but it's here to train you up and see you begin to live out the purpose of God in your family and in your life and in your job and in wherever you're at, being on mission and what God's called you to do. You were created for a reason. 
You're not a mistake. You didn't just pop up. But there is something deep inside that God has put in your life that he's called you to do. And let me just say this. I think a lot of times when we have a sermon like this of saying that God's called you to do something, God's called you to be in ministry, we think, okay, well, I'm not a a speaker and I'm not a singer. Um, What am I supposed to do? And let me say, you may never like... Your ministry may never even be here at the church, but it may be in the way that you're a father or a mother. It may be in the way that you uh, love on people at your job. It also may be here. It may be in greeting. I don't know what your purpose is, but don't pigeonhole yourself into four different areas that we see people serve and say that's what ministry looks like. But realizing that God created you for a reason, that he has a purpose for your life. He's uniquely gifted you to do something for him. And when, But when we get locked up in fear and timidity and anxiety and death, out, not knowing who we are and what we're called to do in these things, we can be kept from living out our God-given purpose. And we've got to be people who say, I'm settled in who God says I am, that I am a child of God. And that as I walk out my life, whatever it is, that I'm going to serve him and I'm going to be on mission for him and I'm going to do whatever he calls me to do, that we begin to be effective and be world changers of our world. Amen? See, when we can embrace a heart that says, I am who God says I am, that I'm going to do what he calls me to do, and that the measuring stick of the success of my life is pleasing him, then we free ourselves from the oppression of opinions and are free to walk in the God-given purpose for our life. And that's where we've got to be. And so my heart for us is this, is that we would walk with a settled confidence in who God's called us to be. And I'll just be honest, that's the person I want to be. I think about that pastor that I was talking about before. And I look at his life and how at every moment, how he was just settled and restful. And whatever happened, he was just settled in who God called him to be and living it out. When it was to talk to a young pastor, I mean, he was just settled. When he was talking and loving on his wife, he was just settled no matter what happened. That's the kind of person I want to be. Amen? There's a term that's called forget about you money, right? Which is when you get to a point where you got enough cash that it doesn't matter of what anybody else says, what anybody else does. If you lose your job and somebody fire you, you don't care because you just got enough money that you're not worried about anything, right? And I think it's a cool place to be. What I would tell you is this, is that I want us to be with that almost mentality in our lives, where it doesn't matter what, what people say or what things go, but we're so, our value is so founded in who God says we are that when other opinions come, it's just like, I don't care. I am wealthy in who God says I am. I am wealthy in his purpose for my life. And it doesn't matter the opinions and criticism and things of the rest of the world that I'm like, I don't care because I'm confident in who God says I am. Amen? Let's be those type of people. And we are those type of people, that's when we begin to make a difference. And I'll even say this. I think that's when we begin, when there is a clear difference between us and the world. Because we live in a world that when they don't have a relationship with God and they're settled in that, they are constantly shaken and moved. Right? But when we have a place that is settled, no matter what happens in the world, that's when the world is able to look at us and say, there's something different about you. And I want to be like that. And I'd say, let's be those type of people. Can I pray for you? Dearly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And God, we thank you that you've called us 
and that you want to use us and that you have empowered us. And God, I just pray today that the worry and fear and timidity of people, that it would just begin to be broken off of our lives. As we worry about the expectations of people or the opinions of God, I pray that that we would be able to come to a place where the only thing that matters is who you say we are, what you called us to do. God, I pray that our hearts would just begin to be settled in you. So we walk into a culture at times that there's some friction with. God, that we'd be settled in you. Settled in you. I pray for our hearts to be restful and peaceful in you. That we'd be a make a difference because we walk in your confidence. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.